0: The other night, Diane and I watched the K Love Fan Awards. Now, if you're not familiar with K Love, it is a contemporary Christian radio station that they have stations all over the United States and I don't know, maybe outside the US, I'm not sure. uh, But of course, online. And these awards are voted on by uh, Christians. They're nominated, nominate people for, you know, uh, Best male singer and female and group and best song and all that sort of stuff, and then people vote uh, online. So it was really just it was a great worship experience. I mean, it was like having church. Uh, there were so many singers there: Matthew West, Danny Gokey, Carrie Job, uh, Kane, Michael W. Smith, and uh, just awesome, awesome worship music. Uh, the Father's House, The Blessing, uh, tremendous songs. Uh, it was certainly different than any secular awards show because it was all just very positive. You know, people were quoting scripture, and there was prayer at different times and just praising the Lord and musicians lifting each other up. Uh, you know, this one group won uh, some award, and and the guy said, you know, I, I voted for this other person. Um, so it's not like, uh, you know, everybody's out backbiting and trying to get the best. But it was more like a, a worship service than a TV show. And, you know, God certainly loves music and he's raised up so many talented people. Uh, the TV movie experience, Chosen, Uh, was given an award for the great work that they're doing. And there's just so many ways to reach people with the gospel. And I know that some people, some believers, don't care for some of the venues that are being used. But, you know, we can't be judging people if there's somebody that's coming to Christ because they're listening to, you know, some worship music that you don't really care for um you know if they do and that brings them to the lord or brings them closer to the lord praise god because you know the methods change but the message still stays the same uh, so you're not going to reach out to people and get them to come to the lord with something that they really don't understand so i just praise god for the ways that he comes into lives the ways that he chooses, because he's going to choose the best. Let's pray, Father. I just give you thanks for the gift of music, and and I know that you love music. That's why the the largest book in the Bible is the Psalms, and so Father, um, help us to uh, make that a part of our lives. I know a lot of church-going people don't listen to a lot of Christian music, they're listening to, you know, mostly all secular stuff. And so Lord, I just pray that uh, more believers will start listening to Christian music, you know, on the radio or online or, you know, purchasing CDs, downloading music, whatever it may be, then that's just uh, such a great way to get us more in line and more in tune with you. So Father, as we look at your word, Father, help us to see what it is you have for us today, and Lord, just let that bring us closer to you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you ever play hide and seek as a child? Uh, I know sometimes you play variations of that. You know, we used to play kick a can, you know, everybody would go and hide and, you know, have to get out and there would be a can there, and when you got back and you kick the can before somebody else could see you Uh, our kids when they first moved to this one town uh, they started playing the big game there with spotlight you'd play after dark and everybody would have a flashlight and you had to try and find people you know shine your light on them but you know maybe you still play hide and seek with your your children today or your grandchildren you know because it It's a lot of fun and it's free, which is nice. And, you know, now it gets kids, you know, outside. You can play inside, but outside or wherever, but it gets them off of their games, off of their phone, off of the computer. It's something that you can play any place. Uh, You don't have to be athletic to be able to play. And it's not a lot of fun if the seekers don't bother to come and find you, of course. But I remember playing with our one grandson, and uh, he would hide behind this curtain. And, you know, you could see his feet sticking out and his hand hanging onto the curtain. And, you know, but his thought was, you know, I can't see you, so it must be you can't see me. But um, it was just a fun thing to do. Well, the Bible talks about hiding and seeking. So... I'm just going to kind of skip around and find different hiders and seekers, and start out in the the New Testament in Matthew chapter seven, in part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to most most of the time be using uh, the NIV for the scripture, but this is Matthew seven verses seven and eight, uh, where Jesus says, "Ask, and it will be given to you; seek." and you'll find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and anyone who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. <coughs> that's really good advice from Jesus. But if we're not gonna to bother to seek something, there's a good chance that we're not gonna find it. And often I find that that's me. I want God to answer about something, but I don't bother to seek for his answer. I don't search his word. I don't ask fellow believers to help in seeking. And so maybe I needed to hear that you know, that it's time for me to uh, be seeking him in a much better way than what I have been. So still saying in the the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus had been talking about, you know, how we don't need to worry about food and clothes. And, you know, that's that's what the, the pagans do. And so in verse 33, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So in other words, if we're concerned about seeking the Lord, and what the Lord wants in our lives, you know, God's going to meet all of our needs just like He says that He will. So when we get our priorities right, things just kind of fall into place when we seek what is important. Well, in Luke 19, we find the Zacchaeus incident. Okay, Zacchaeus is up in the tree and Jesus calls him down says, I'm going to go to your house. And so he goes to Zacchaeus's house. And, you know, some people get really upset about this. Uh, because in verse 7 of Luke 19, it says, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, I can imagine that happening if a pastor did that. The, you know, if a pastor wasn't going to the the head of the trustee's house, wasn't going to the, the choir director's house, wasn't going to the the head of the, the women's group, but instead he was going to this guy that's known as the town drunk, uh, going to his house instead. And people would say, yeah, he's going to go have dinner with a sinner, but he's not coming to see me or to see you, you know, an important person in the church. So Jesus is... Not concerned about what they have to say. Because in verses 9 and 10, it says this Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was well aware of his task here and he knew that he didn't have a whole lot of time. And so he couldn't be bothered with a bunch of whiners complaining about what he was doing or how he was doing it. In Luke 5, 31, it says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, I mean, he, he loves those that are already believers, but he's more concerned about those that are not, because he knows that those are believers, that, you know, In today's world it's up to the church to be you know feeding them and to strengthening them so Jesus had a lot to do and he was too busy seeking and in Zacchaeus's case you know people hated him because he was the the chief tax collector and certainly not a very popular person but everybody knew who Zacchaeus was and so if Zacchaeus gave his life to the Lord, and changed his life from how he was living before, a lot of people would look at this and say, well, you know, if Zacchaeus can change, maybe I can change too. And we may see people, you know, in our lives that they, you know, maybe have lived a life that we would call worse than ours, I guess. You know, we look at them and they come to the Lord we may say, well, You know, if he can change, I guess I can change too. Well, now let's go back further in Scripture. Let's go way back to Genesis chapter 3. Okay, we've got Adam and Eve and the serpent and the fruit. And we know what happened. They've eaten and had their fill, and then they fell. So later that day, something else happened. And... Genesis 3, 8 through 10, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Uh, That sounds like me again. Not because I'm naked, but messing up and thinking that I can hide myself or hide my blunder from the Lord. Now, God didn't ask, where are you? Because he couldn't find Adam and Eve. He knew exactly where they were physically. God wanted Adam's answer to be to the real question. What were you thinking, Adam? You know, why would you do such a stupid thing, is really what he was saying. Because Adam and Eve, they had the perfect life. I mean, everything had just been given to them. And they messed it up. You know, like one person said, you know, Eve ate them out of house and home. You know, and that's what happened. You know, they went from paradise to reality for us. You know, sometimes we may think we have what's perfect. You know, we have the, the perfect spouse. You know, we have the perfect children. We have the perfect job. You know, our, our life just seems to be, you know, going in the right direction in and, and every way out there. And then we do something and we mess it up big time. You know, our spouse leaves us, our children hate us. We lose our job. We lose our home. And, you know, we think we can hide it from God until we realize how foolish that really is. It just ain't going to happen. So I'm going to stay in the Old Testament here for a while. And in First Kings 18, Elijah had just defeated and killed 450 prophets of Baal. Okay, so in the very next chapter, 1 Kings 19, Jezebel finds out what happened, and she wants to kill Elijah. Okay, in verse 3 it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, Elijah, he just killed 450 prophets. And you're scared of one woman and what she can do to you? Yeah, Elijah was. So he takes off and is trying to hide, and he goes to sleep, and an angel wakes him up and tells him to, to eat and to rest. And so he sleeps some more, angel wakes him up again, feeds him again, and he takes off on a 40 day and night journey. In verse 9 it says, there he went into a cave and spent the night. He was hiding. Was he hiding from God? Was he still hiding from Jezebel? Or was he just plain hiding from everyone? You know, I can hide things from my wife for a while, if I need to. I can hide things from other people sometimes, but I know there is nothing that is hidden from God. So let's go now to to Judges chapter six where we find Gideon. In verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Abaz- Abazirite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Now, it doesn't say Gideon was hiding in the winepress, but why else would Gideon be threshing wheat in a winepress? It says he was keeping the wheat from the Midianites, but he was keeping himself from the Midianites as well. I imagine he was more concerned about himself not being found than he was the wheat. And then... flip over to Joshua, where we find this woman of ill repute doing some hiding. Okay, it tells us in the first verse, it says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Well, Jericho's king found out about the spies and sent Rahab this message. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Okay, well, it goes on, verses 4 through 6, and says, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So this was a good hiding incident. It was good for the two spies because they certainly would have been put to death, but it was also good for Rahab because it saved her life in the end. So there was more than one time that we find David hiding from King Saul. Saul wanted David dead. There was no question about it. Sometimes he would feel a little remorse and change his mind, but then he'd be going right after him again. So he was pursuing him continually. In 1 Samuel 24, it was one of those times. Saul had been fighting the Philistines, and then he went after David again. And it wasn't a one-on-one thing where Saul was going after David, because Saul took 3,000 young, able men with him. Verse 3, it says, Saul came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself, and David and his men were far back in the cave. Now, it doesn't say that they were hiding in the cave, but I don't think they were in there spelunking, okay? I mean, they were trying to get away from Saul and stay as far away from him as they could. So David was trying to save his hide. Now, that's the other kind of hide. But he knew that he was going to be king. (laughs) He just had to live long enough for it to happen. Okay, I want to turn to a rather well known passage in Jeremiah chapter twenty (coughs) nine excuse me. Verses eleven to fourteen says this is the Lord speaking. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. I believe this is God's plan for all of his children, not just those that have been captives in Babylon. God wants us to call on him. God wants us to pray to him God wants us to seek him. Now we have that verse 11 on a plaque like many other people do. But I think it's verse 13 that we really need where God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Like most people, I wanna find the Lord with little if any effort. I don't want to have to seek him, I just want him. I want him right here, and I want him right now doing what I feel is the best thing that needs to be done in this situation. But God says, no, you need to seek me, and seek me with your whole heart. So let's take a stroll now through the Psalms. As you can imagine, there's plenty of places where we can seek some hidden wisdom in the Psalms. In Psalm 63, here we see David. He's in the desert of Judah, and he's praying for more of the Lord. He feels distant and is in need of strength to go on. Okay, So in Psalm 63, 1, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water now it's like david is dying of physical thirst when really it's more like a spiritual thirst now physically he was in a dry and parched land but his need was greater than that i've been there i've felt that where god seems so far away and You know, I'm trying to seek him, but it seems like, you know, he's way out there. It would be like trying to look at something at the opposite end of a football field, and you just can't really make it out. Well, that distance was created by me. And so the closer I get to him, the easier it is to seek him. Well, the unknown psalmist of Psalm 105 tells us this in the first four verses give praise to the lord proclaim his name make known among the nations what he has done sing to him sing praise to him tell of all his wonderful acts glory in his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the lord rejoice look to the lord in his strength seek his face always well the, the psalmist is connecting seeking with praising. And that's understandable. Because I see seeking as wanting to connect with someone. Because you don't seek someone that you don't want to have a connection with. Okay, you do your best to stay away from that person. But when we seek the Lord, we want to be close to him. And we want to be connected to him. So Our last look at the Psalms is in 119. And it's one that I'm sure you're familiar with. It's 119.11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is a verse that all believers need to have as a special verse, because it can keep us out of trouble and it can help us when ourselves or somebody else is in trouble. Now, I'm not very good at memorizing scripture. I'm more of a, you know, I know it says this someplace in the Gospels, or I remember reading this in the Proverbs, or, you know, I think maybe the Psalm someplace it says, you know, so I know it's in there somewhere and, you know, maybe that's okay. You know, I don't think I need to quote chapter and verse just so it's in my heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, if I were to, to say, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, and you automatically say, oh, that's Psalm one nineteen eleven. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not me. And memorizing is obviously better. Second Chronicles 20. Well, this finds King Jehoshaphat about to do battle with the Moabites and the Ammonites and some others, and they're vastly outnumbered. And this is what happens in verse 4. It says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, this may seem like the natural thing for them to do, and it should have been, but it wasn't always the case. And when they didn't bother to seek the Lord, they found themselves being defeated. So in chapter 20, verse 15, it tells us this, that through Jehoshaphat, Je- Je- it said, the Lord answered their seeking. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So then Jesus, Jehoshaphat went on to tell them how they were to prepare for the battle. That even though the battle was God's they still had to play a part. Now the same goes for me because I seek the Lord and he answers and tells me how to follow through. It's not seek the Lord and sit back and relax. Seeking the Lord as he wants me to involves both of us in the battle. Well I want to close with the words from a song that you probably know or have heard. And it actually comes from one of our scriptures this morning. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Allelu, alleluia. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Allelu, alleluia. I know I need to spend more time seeking the Lord and less time trying to hide myself or things that I've done from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that you love us just like we are. You love us when we earnestly seek after you, And you love us when we are sloughing off and not bothering to seek you, not bothering to seek uh, your answers, your help. So, Father, help us to be more diligent. Help me to be more diligent in seeking you earnestly, seeking you with my whole heart, not just kind of browsing through scripture, but actually seeking what you may have to say to me. So, Father make that a priority in my life. And Lord, I lift up any that may be listening that don't know you. Maybe they've gone to church for a while and and maybe they've never been told what they need to do to make a commitment to you. So Lord, I pray that they'll make that commitment today because what they need to do is to know that they've been a sinner and that Jesus is the savior that you sent. So they need to pray kind of like this. Dear Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the dead and he's coming again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.